This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 231. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, this week on the podcast, it's another edition of Bartender Journey City Spotlight as Hazel travels to Washington, D.C. She talks to Rico Wisner. Rico's a bartender from the Adams Morgan neighborhood and has been working in the D.C. cocktail scene for over 20 years. He started at a private club. He went on to work at a variety of places, including Baltimore Inter Harbor, Dave and Buster's, Amber and Bonfire. He's been featured in media, including Zagat, uh, the Washington, Washingtonian, and the DC Eater and CBS local channel as well. He competed this week at the Dram Bowie Cocktail Competition at Quarter and Glory alongside our buddy Aaron Joseph, who's been, uh, we've been trying to get him on the podcast for the longest time. Hopefully we'll work that out soon, maybe during Bar Institute New York. Right, Aaron, Megan Schaff was the D.C. winner. And, uh, hey, let's get our good friend Vance Henderson, National Brand Ambassador for Drambuie, on the phone. He can explain the contest for us. Hello. Vance. Hey, it's Brian. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Doing fantastic, man. Great. Where uh, where in the world do we catch up with you today? <laughs> I'm actually in, uh, I'm home in uh, D.C., all right, cool. Well, DC, that's what we're talking about this week, because uh, on the on the show, because the uh, the competition just passed, right? Yes, indeed. So the winner was the DC winner was who? The DC winner was uh, Megan Shaft. She is uh, one a uh, local bartender and beverage director here. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we have uh, actually our friend Hazel was down there recently and spoke to uh, Rico, who was also one of the competitors. Oh, yeah. Awesome, brother. Awesome, brother. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you were just telling me uh, while we were going back and forth uh, texting and the the uh, semifinalists uh, win what? A trip to Scotland, huh? Yeah, yeah. So that's actually all, all of the finalists. It's uh, kind of a one-stop shop. We come in with the modern classes competition to across six cities here in the United States. We've done... Seattle and Austin, Texas, uh, San Francisco, New York, D.C., and then the final city that we have left is going to be a split between uh, Tampa and St. Petersburg, Florida. And we bring in five bartenders uh, who are all remarkable in their own right from those particular cities, and they go head-to-head, uh, really presenting a cocktail that showcases the versatility of Drambuie. And the winner of each of the cities uh, then automatically win uh, the trip to Scotland to trace the history of Drambuie uh, on the Isle of Skye in Scotland, which is where the story really started for the brand in 1745. And we'll kind of trace the history all the way through Scotland and kind of play it forward and bring it forward to how uh, the liquid's being used in present-day cocktail culture. Uh, in Edinburgh and in London. How cool. I'm going to have to enter that next year. I don't know why I never got around to it the last couple of years. It sounds like an amazing trip. And uh, actually, uh, a slow day at the bar the other day, uh, last week, I guess it was, I came up with a cool Drambuie cocktail, which uh, I posted on Instagram. You saw it. It, uh, yeah, man, fantastic. I was inspired by your use of coffee uh, with Drambouille. So I used some uh, espresso, some uh, Drambouille, of course, some creme de cacao, and some monkey shoulder, Angostura bitters, shook that up, and uh, it came out pretty pretty good, if I do say so myself. Well, I'm, I'm to tell you this. I've got, a, uh, I've got several trips back up to uh, New York area uh, for the rest of the year. All of my crisscrossing the country and kind of international travel for work is just about wrapped up, but I definitely have got to come and see you and taste that, Doc. All right. We've got to work that out for sure. 
Well, cool, man. I won't keep you too long, but uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. And uh, I appreciate your time. And I hope to see you soon. The pleasure is always mine, Doc. Always mine. Thank you. Are you going to be around for Barnes, dude, in New York? I am. I'm going to come up. I sure am. All right. We'll, we'll have, have to have a drink then. We certainly will, brother. Thank you, Vance. Great talking to you. We'll talk to you again soon, bro. Take care, man. Always. Vance is such a great guy. If you remember, he was our guest back on show number 207. So if you want to hear more about Jerry and Bowie and more from Vance Henderson, you can. Uh, go, we'll have a link uh, to that in the show notes that go along with this show or look for show 207, Bartender Drain Podcast number 207. Hey, Hazel's going to post some pictures from her D.C. trip on the Bartender Journey Facebook page. You can visit Rico Behind the Stick at Rosario, D.C. and the pop-up Halloween bar, Pub Drake. Later in the show, Hazel also talks with French Scotty, bartender at 5 to 1. They'll talk about sustainability in bars, among other things. Cutting down on wasted fruit. And in honor of the Drambuie Cocktail Competition, this week's Cocktail of the Week is something I whipped up uh, during a re- uh, slow night at the bar recently, and I called it Done Got Wise after this old jazz tune. I posted it on the Bartender Journey Instagram page recently, and I hope you're, uh, you're so you like it. What do you do on Instagram? Like it? Subscribe? I forget. What do you do? Like it. Follow. Follow. <laughs> that's, that's the word I'm looking for. Follow Bartender Journey on Instagram. And uh, so we, we'll have the full recipe and a picture up on bartenderjourney.net on, in the show notes. But uh, yeah, you can also find it on Instagram. Well, here's the recipe. The Done Got Wise Cocktail. One and a half ounces Drambouille. One ounce creme de cacao, half an, in, half an ounce of monkey shoulder blended scotch, and one and a half ounces of espresso. Cooled, by the way. You want to let that cool down. Don't want it too hot. When you shake it up with ice, oh, and a dash of Angostura aromatic bitters. Shake it hard with ice. The drink should have a bit of a head on it, and shaking it hard is going to assist with that. The, uh, it should foam up a bit from the espresso and uh, strain that into a chilled coupe glass. I thought that drink came out real good. It really uh, showcased the sort of anise or uh, licorice flavors in the Drambouille, and along with the coffee and the uh, creme de cacao, a little chocolate flavor from that sort of, uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was good. Hey, it's time for our unrelated podcast suggestion of the week, and it's brought to you by Studio Bluetooth Headphones. This company's out of Sweden, and they make some great-sounding and great-looking headphones. I'm wearing the over-ear model right now. They come in several different colors and even have end caps that you can swap out and customize. They also make wireless earbuds, and I'm telling you, if you're still using wired headphones with your phone, you're nuts. I only switched to wireless recently, and it's just so convenient. If you're at the gym or doing laundry or setting up your bar or whatever, they don't get snagged on things and pop out of your ears, which is just so annoying. Plus, what I found was with the wired headphones, I would have to... I'd have them plugged into my phone and the phone was in my pocket and eventually the jack would get messed up from getting banged around in my pocket you know and uh, I'd have to end up replacing those headphones every six months or so that's not a problem with wireless they can save you money in the long run so go to Studio Sweden it's S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com and use the discount code BARTENDERJOURNEY all one word uh, no space for 15% off your studio wireless headphones to, and to show your support for the Bartender Journey podcast pick up some great sounding wireless Bluetooth headphones from Studio Sweden Bartender Journey is your discount code so the unrelated podcast suggestion of the week is 
no such thing as a fish. In this podcast, three people get together and each one comes prepared with a strange fact. The hosts are smart, hysterical, and the, fo- the shows are always really entertaining. You can even take some of these goofy facts and use them to start conversations at your bar. The hosts are English, and it is, I guess, what you'd call modern English humor. I find it really funny and entertaining. Check it out. No such thing as a fish. Let's do a book of the week, and it's The Old Fashioned, the story of the world's first classic cocktail with recipes and lore by Robert Simonson. Well, the old fashioned is everywhere these days. Seems like you can't swing a dead cat in the bar without hitting one. That's probably a, a bad expression. That's probably an in- insensitive remark, isn't it? Well, I take it back. I still think it's a funny. I, th- I still think it's a funny expression. Anyway, uh, this, this is a comprehensive guide to the whiskey, sugar, and bitters classic. There's history plus more than forty cocktail recipes, including variations, regional twists, and contemporary updates from top bartenders around the country. Get a copy of The Old Fashioned by Robert Simonson and go to bartenderdrinking.net. Look for one of those Amazon links and click through to Amazon to help out the show. It doesn't cost you any extra, but it helps out the show just a little bit, whether you buy that, uh, whatever I suggested, or you buy something else in that sort of session after clicking through from bartenderdrinking.net. helps out the show just a little bit. Here's a special announcement, the Bartender Journey Cocktail Competition. Yeah, we're running a little competition. If you're in the New York area and you're interested in joining us, uh, we're running a cocktail competition. It's an Instagram competition. You can win a ticket to the annual industry kickball tourney on Monday, November 6th, hosted by William Grant and Sons. This is an all-day field trip to MCU Park, home of the Coney Island Cyclones, and we have access to the entire stadium. We're going to be playing kickball on a real baseball field where the Coney Island Cyclones play. It's uh, so exciting. I can't wait. And we have access to the sound system, apparently, and we're going to be blasting tunes and drinking cocktails. There's a bus for, there'll be a bus ride from Manhattan out to Brooklyn, and we'll be playing kickball, cornhole, there'll be cocktails and food. Money's raised goes to hurricane relief efforts in Puerto Rico, and will be matched by William Grant and Sons. So, But it won't cost you anything. We're, we have an extra ticket, and we want you to get one and uh, put how you enter is post your cocktail picture on Instagram with the hashtag bartender journey cocktail by Monday, October 30th. And the winning cocktail will be featured in an upcoming episode as cocktail of the week. And you can join us on the bus and uh, on the field for kickball. Full details, visit our competitions page, bartenderjourney.net slash competitions. Good luck. All right, let's listen in as Hazel chats with Rico Wisner. Hi, Bartender Journey community. This is Hazel, and I am here with Rico Wisner, who is our DC bartending community host for today. And Rico, just want to tell the community about yourself? Sure. So, I've been bartending in uh, the DC area for uh, a long time now, coming up on uh, 19 years. Got my start way back when at a small little country club. Uh, first job in the business is bartending, so kind of got thrown. Oh, nice! Yeah, you know, thrown right in, right in the, uh, right in the fire. You know, I kind of I heard bartenders make good money, and and it's a fun job. So, what was the first challenge that you had, having been thrown into the fire or into the ice or fire and ice? Um, just kind of getting comfortable talking to people casually. Uh, I was I was a bit of an introvert in high school uh, and beginning in college. I was going to school for computer science. Oh, okay. Although I would think that those analytical skills are helping you out in building complex cocktails now. 
Yeah, uh, you know, math has always been a, a thing of mine that, that I've always done well with. So kind of putting things together in that kind of sense, uh, definitely. But, uh, you know, at the time I was kind of sitting behind a computer. And uh, I think that's where I kind of took bartending and, and took it from a side college job uh, into more of a career was just uh, being out there in front of people. I realized that I didn't want to be behind a desk all day, every day. Um, I wanted to be out there learning something new, making something new, meeting someone new every day. Okay, and so what were some of the challenges were at the time? Because, I mean, now that bartending and craft cocktailing is a big thing, and it's more almost acceptable by non-bartenders for bartending being, being a career, and there's a lot of, like, educational and support from the community, but at the time that you decided to have it as a career, like how did you learn? Um, I actually got started learning very on early on in that first job at the country club. Uh, country club back, especially back then, I would say maybe even nowadays. But people drank martinis, drank wine, drank beer, got a gin and tonic. Uh, so I actually had a old school copy of a. Mr. Bartender, Mr. Boston's bartender book, and when it was slow, I just would thumb through it and try and learn a, a fun new little recipe, and uh, so kind of taught myself a bit uh, in the beginning because there weren't those resources, um, and it's kind of it was a case of just looking for a resource, and I think that was at the time that was kind of like the standard. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. You don't know this. So um, this is actually the same week that I recorded the New Haven podcast that you guys have heard previous to this podcast. But the uh, one of the other guys that I interviewed actually did tell me that that was his first bartending book. Yeah, uh, I still have it. Uh, it's a, I want to say it's a 78 edition. Oh, wow. Uh, something along those lines. For some reason that year sticks out in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, yeah, it's, an, it's a very old uh, edition for sure, but I, but I still have it. Um, and it's kind of, you know, because it was what kind of taught me and brought me up in it, kind of one of my little pride and joy books uh, that I keep. Okay, so where are you now, just so that everybody knows? Uh, sure. Uh, currently, I am at uh, Rosario. Uh, it's an Italian uh, cuisine uh, restaurant in Adams Morgan. Uh, relatively new to the area, and uh, I also uh, I, I, I pick up a random shift here and there. Occasionally, I use the hashtag Catch Me If You Can. Oh, nice. Uh, occasionally, we'll uh, we'll work at uh, a nightclub uh, downtown as well. And uh, currently, we're in the midst, uh, unfortunately, the last couple weeks of a Game of Thrones pop-up. Yes, part of tonight. Uh, so, uh, just finishing that out. Once, uh, once that ends, I'll be going back to, uh, to full-time at Rosario. And, uh, that's where you can find me. So, what, what about, like, the, the D.C. cocktail scene? Like, what changes have you seen, good, bad, like, of having been in the business for so long in this area? Oh, uh, there's, oh, gosh. Okay, I top, top whatever. <laughs> top one, I, I think one of the biggest things that stands out for Open me. Open mic. <laughs> uh, one of the big things that stands out for me is uh, way back when, you're talking 2007, 
uh, I believe, 2008. Uh, I was lucky enough to go on the uh, Grand Marnier Mixology Summit. And you had to submit recipes, and you got invited, and, and all these things. And they put these the drinks in a book. Uh, recently, a friend of mine, Nick Crutchfield, we learned this years later, we were on the same trip. Uh, he found that book, and we were thumbing through it and looked at some of the old recipes. And just seeing the ingredients we were using then versus now, uh, talking about you know, using uh, products that aren't even on the market anymore. But uh, basically, at that point, still fruity and sweet was, was the flavor uh, that you went with. And uh, it wasn't necessarily all about, you know, bitter, which I think is a huge thing right now with Amaro's and, and bitters of all types. Um, you know, I think just, just seeing the palate swing and just also consumers getting educated and being curious. Back then, people just wanted fruity and sweet and easy drinking. So what do you, what do you think has just led to this revolution in terms of the cocktail culture? Gosh, um, I, I would say it's probably just come from people getting back to uh, more natural things, mm -hmm. uh, natural ingredients uh, that, that's happened just in general, um, not just in the, in the bar community, but in food and using locally sourced and uh, things like that. People have really opened up their palates in general uh, when it comes to cuisine, and I think that pairs directly in with, uh, with drinks uh, as well. So that's part of the reason why I, I I, I know that I've definitely seen in New York um, people being more cognizant of what's in their drink and where is it coming from and really more asking about, like, even, like, watching how the drinks are made and things like that. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned watching how drinks are made. I, I find nowadays it's happening more and more people just getting, like, almost, like, zoned in, like they're, like they're watching a TV show. Uh, if they happen to be sitting right in front uh, of the pit at the bar, uh, where you know they'll even zone out of conversation because uh, they just kind of get mesmerized by by what's happening, and you know I think part of that is the fun new techniques that we're all using and and the ingredients that people maybe aren't familiar with uh, that that they get they get a chance to see and kind of experience up close, um, and it's part of the show. Uh, it's one of the things that that I learned. And one of my very early on jobs is that you're always on stage. Uh, even if you're not making a drink for the person in front of you, you're always on stage. People are always looking. Um, and so I think that, that you know, that's part of what, what absorbs people into all these fun, crazy cocktails as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'll actually share a story with you. Uh, I have a friend that, uh, you know, not in the industry, but uh, loves to cook. Um, so his palate started to develop for cocktails because of cooking. And it's funny that you mentioned bitters because this was this was actually about five years ago and he was in Chicago at the time. And um, he was trying to explain to me exactly why bitters were important and what they were. And, and when I didn't quite understand 100% because I wasn't really at that level and I'm not at the crazy bitters knowledge level now. But uh, he said to me the best thing for him to do would be to take me somewhere. And he actually took me to a bar where he knew the bartender and he said that he felt like the bartender would be able to sit down and just like, pretty much explain what was going on with the bitters and what they were doing the bitters, and, and he did. And it just so happened it was slow at the time. But, um, yeah, I don't think that that's something that probably happens like 10, 15 years ago. No, People just no. literally going, just, I mean, we literally, we, we did have drinks there, but he literally took me there for knowledge. 
Yeah, no, I, uh, I actually, I, I completely agree with the food analogy. Uh, there was actually a time uh, that I was, because I kind of got, in the beginning I got so immersed just in the, the restaurant culture, the hospitality industry, that, uh, and I think it was because I was, I was starting to like those flavors and, and things like that, that I was actually looking at going to, uh, to culinary school. Uh, applied everything uh, and had some things happen that uh, unfortunately made it uh, unfortunately I guess but fortunately who knows pivoted you towards where that, you are that, now yeah that pushed me uh, towards staying you know bartending and uh, and where I've continued uh, in, in the career that I am now and not necessarily getting in culinary but it's because I was understanding flavors and I mean I love to cook uh, so it's I think it's all about combining those flavors and, and understanding flavors Okay, so we're, uh, so everybody knows we're actually recording this as we're walking through the Adams Morgan neighborhood, and can you just share like a little bit of the history, everyone just general history? Yeah, sure. Uh, Adams Morgan is a, is a great neighborhood, been around for uh, quite, some, uh, quite some time as a, a very popular uh, destination uh, in Northwest Washington, uh, relatively close to the, uh, the National Zoo, the Smithsonian National Zoo. Um, which I love because I live in the neighborhood have for about six years, so I occasionally wander up to the zoo. And uh, it's you know it used to be it used to be all about the college part of the town. This is where you, you you know all the college kids would come and get crazy on Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and it was a little seedy and um, and you know it wasn't you know if you're if you're trying to be overly smart about going out and getting crazy. Uh, you know, this might not be where you go, but you definitely could go out and get crazy here for sure. Uh, but within recent years, there's been some some ebb and flow uh, on the neighborhood. But I think we're now in a complete upswing. Uh, you know, some some guys like like I believe we'll be going later tonight, Jack Rose. Mm -hmm. I feel like they were one of the kind of one of the early ones in the neighborhood as it came up. And uh, now we're having some great uh, new restaurants in the neighborhood. We have a Michelin star rated restaurant, uh, a Bib Gourmand restaurant in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe uh, Rosario, I think we're a great addition to the neighborhood as well. We also have a great hotel coming in, which I think is really going to help keep elevating uh, the neighborhood as a whole. Even though it still stays hustling, bustling, especially those, you know, Friday, Saturday nights are still party time. Uh, but it's definitely coming up and becoming a big community again. Yeah, so I mean, you can definitely have a good mix of not just volume type of communities, but volume consumer drinking, but also like quality. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a quality versus quantity. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, definitely when... I feel like maybe in the past that was a, that was kind of a thing. Like yeah, I mean, even I, I've lived in there for six years. This is my first job in the neighborhood. Even I, in the beginning, I, I joined the team. Uh, basically, the the restaurant opened on a Monday. I went in uh, and I talked to the uh, talked to the manager. Was hired on that Monday. I started on Wednesday. I started day three. So been been since kind of the beginning. And in the beginning, I was a little. Uh, I was wondering a bit about the You know, I was wondering a bit about the neighborhood. You know, how are we going to deal with? that you know Miller Lite fireball crowd mm -hmm. uh, because that's that is becomes a lot of uh, what you get on the weekends uh, nothing wrong with that they they pay bartenders bills just like any other uh, guest but because uh, we, we didn't have those things and we've actually been very well welcomed into the neighborhood 
uh, you know, offering craft cocktails and uh, things along those lines. So that's uh, it's been a great thing to kind of be a part of and to and to see in the neighborhood. Okay, great. And so um, I know you said this to me earlier, but what what's what is on top for tonight? Where are we going tonight? All right. So we're going to start, of course, in my home bar uh, right. and uh, at Rosario because I think that hey, I love it because it's a four minute walk from my house. Um, <laughs> so uh, after uh, after Rosario, we'll be walking down to uh, just down the street in the neighborhood to uh, Jack Rose. Uh, phenomenal whiskey program there. Uh, they have the uh, the largest whiskey selection in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, from there, we'll uh, wait, from there we'll probably head on over to the Game of Thrones pop up bar. Yes. Uh, I, Sorry, no, I'm, I'm super excited about that. Hazel's got to see that. Yeah. <laughs> People just yelling at me. On People the are just yelling. You 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 can't see this on the audio, but but the, the New Yorker me thought we were getting mugged for two seconds and realized it was just someone from the bar community saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Game of Thrones pop up bar. Then uh, we'll go see uh, a couple of our fine folks, uh, Trevor Fry over at Five to One, his new bar. He's doing some really cool things, uh, eliminating garnishes. Uh, what? Wait, and, and this is a new thing. I have not heard of this. Yeah, eliminating garnishes and waste. Uh, he's doing like citrus oils and things like that. Uh, he, he'll be there tonight, so we can we can kind of geek out and talk with oh, him a little bit. Oh, we can bit. totally geek out. Uh, it's be part of a sustainability concept. Yes, yes, it, uh, that's a huge thing. Um, and then uh, after that, we'll go to Service Bar. Uh, those guys are some great friends of mine. Uh, I've worked with them in the past. And uh, we'll be doing, uh, they're having some kind of cool performances there tonight. Uh, but they, you know, they're about service bar, a little uh, nod to uh, to the service well, but also to the service industry as a whole. And so also definitely, great hospitality. Uh, definitely, if you are a bartender in town, DC for the night, that's some place we need to go. And we are actually here at Rosario, so I'm going to end this part of the segment. Um, and talk to you guys later. Next, Hazel talks with French Scotty. Hey, it's Hazel here with the Bartender Journey podcast, and I'm here in D.C. with my cocktail Sherpa, Rico, and I am over at this bar. Five to one. Five to one with French, and we're going to talk sustainability. Yeah, so... Um when we started the bar, there's just like a lot of uh, ways you could cut back on waste in the bar. So, for instance, like we don't have straws um, that are disposable. We have metal straws that are. What, what do you mean you don't have straws? How do you how do you deal with people that want straws? We have metal straws that are specifically for drinks that come in a Collins glass. But I, I mean, if you'd like to look a little goofy with a straw in your rocks glass, that's on you. Um, and in addition, we don't use garnishes, so uh, we extract the essential oils. Uh, naturally from uh, the fruits and um, put them in atomizers uh, it gives a more consistent aromatic effect on the cocktails as well as cutting down on wasted fruit um, yeah. so, so uh, what is an atomizer for those people that don't know yes yeah, so this is also for aspiring bartenders and bartenders that want to get into the business all right so an atomizer is essentially like what you find hairspray in um, it takes a liquid and forces it through a spray nozzle, um, breaks it down into tiny particles and spreads it around, um, coating your glass and uh, the top of the beverage, adding um, 
aromatic effect to the cocktail, or allowing you to smell the flavors you're tasting as well. Right, awesome. And actually, French, um, you are unaware of this, but we are actually doing a specific podcast on the cocktail culture and bartenders in D.C. So is there anything specific you want to add about making cocktails in D.C. specifically, or about this bar, about your experience, or anything? Don't be a Bama. Don't be a Bama. Yeah. Wait, don't be a what? Don't be a Bama. That's no, definitely. That's a, that's a D.C. thing. Like, D.C., don't, don't be a Bama. I mean, we've recently, we've had that social media hex of that guy, right? The, the one Bama who went on six dates and tried to go on six dates in one night. Right? Don't be a Bama. Don't be and a Bama. That's, I, I feel like he's the perfect example. Like, don't be a Bama. Right? And I feel like that's, that's how the DC bar scene is in general. And we as a community are very protective of our, our, our friends, male, female, what have you, at the bar. And we make sure that our friends feel comfortable. And I feel like that was exa- a perfect example of people not feeling comfortable at a bar. And bartenders coming in to save the day. And not, not to save the day, but make people feel comfortable. Absolutely. I mean, you're a bartender, it's kind of like being an MC. you're the master of ceremony, so as long as people come in, they sit down, they get up, and they're happier than when they sat down, and it's a mission accomplished. Well played! Actually, um, Rico, Rico was talking about, like, the mix of people that you get between, like, people in government, corporate people, university people, and how, like, that all all plays out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, we're a cocktail bar on U Street, so the last thing that you want to get here is, like, a vodka soda. I mean, we'd be happy to make you one, but, I mean, we definitely can't make a Jack and Coke because we carry soda water, tonic, uh, and ginger beer. So, um, it's definitely a different clientele, but it's also, like, a bit of an oasis on U Street where you can go anywhere and get a vodka soda in two seconds and have, like, the loud crowd somewhere um, you can come in, enjoy your drink, um, the people around you, and listen to some cool music that inspires the cocktails you're drinking. Lest we digress from the so, so the amazing the amazing cocktail oasis that is five to one. There is a place where if you would like to get a vodka soda, part of your ass off, called the Briggs Tip. And there's a talented bartender there who will make you anything you want. And that's the beauty of U Street, that you can do all of the above. Come to Ninth and U, you can get an amazing piece of fried chicken at, uh, at Service Bar, and you can get a fantastic Suffering Bastard, you can get everything on menu, off the menu you ever wanted. Come to Five to One, and you get this beautiful experience of a very simplistic bar that, you know, is zero waste. You get this whole new perspective of looking on how to do cocktails, and you can also have a lot of fun, you can also have a great time, you can also come and relax and enjoy yourself and let the body do it yourself, Rico. This has been my home for quite a long time, 
and I love everything about it, and I love everything about what it's become at this point. And I don't think um, any, there's, I don't think there's a negative part about this street. I just think it's if you are searching for a particular experience, you will find it here. And I think Five to One is a great example of a home for your cocktail drinker. Myself, I work in a busy vodka soda bar, right? But where am I? Half hours, getting my hangout. I, I actually think like coming from New York, one of the great things is I've run into so many people here that are coming from different things, from like Florida, Texas, California, out of the country, just coming to DC, and then they want to come out to the scene. DC is the and it's ultimate like, melting pot. It's just like a big melting pot. DC is the ultimate melting pot, and what's great about this end of U Street is that it is kind of a blank slate. This whole area was kind of just. There wasn't much going on, and now there's so much going on that there's an availability of space to create a new aspect. We do what we do because we love it, and because we're passionate about it, and you know what? Yes, it lines our pockets, but you know what? At the end of the day, we have fun doing it, and we love, like, we love the experiences. We love the experiences that we get, right? We love the experiences that we get from what we do. You know, it's about like experience providers. You know, a lot of things around the space where drinks live. Right? You don't just come to a bar to get a drink. You come to a bar to reconnect with friends. You know, find out flame. Or there's so many other things, and it's up to the bartender. Kind of like like Fred said, the master of ceremony, to not only be able to read your guests and understand what's going on be able to control a room no matter how unruly it may be or no matter how quiet it may be. You, know? you have to kind of direct service from your vantage point. Out. 100% the master of ceremony things, I, I, I love that. I kind of I kind of love that. Like that is a beautiful thing. Well, I'm sorry I missed that trip. Washington, D.C. is a great city, and I haven't had the opportunity to spend as much time there as I'd like, unfortunately. Stand by for our toast. We do a toast every week at the very end of the show. Hey, my name's Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can go to bartenderjourney.net slash contact and get in touch if uh, there's a certain subject you'd like us to cover or you have a question or uh, you have some partnership uh, ideas. Let us know at bartenderjourney.net slash contact. Here's our toast, and it's from Thomas Blackrock, a Scottish poet who lived from 1721 to 1791. What harm in drinking can there be, since punch and life so well agree? Cheers, we'll see you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast. Mm-hmm.